Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony Marchese. Tonight, I'm joined by my guy, NWI, Steve. Steve, the regular season has come to an end here. How are you feeling, my friend? Happy Sunday, fun day to you. Hey, yo, Tone. I'm feeling good. Got a got a decent night's sleep last night for the first time in several weeks. Been, been running wild here for about a month now, so it was nice to be able to finally do that. Close out the regular season, I will say I'm a little bit concerned that uh, we don't have any momentum going into the playoffs here. We're really kind of limping into this thing after this performance today. So I talked about it going back to February and spring training that you have to take every game like it's game seven of the World Series and you have to build momentum and you have to set the tone. And I've got concerns now heading into Houston on Thursday. I'm not surprised that you say that. I know you got a great night's sleep last night. I'm 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 happy for you. I saw that you and uh, you and some of the boys were out cracking them on uh, on Friday night. I'm glad you got your rest. But I'm I'm not surprised that you say, Steve, that uh, you're you're concerned uh, that the White Sox were unable to uh, obtain victory today in the uh, season finale, Steve. It's uh, it's a shame, man. It's just it's a total shame. It, it really is because we, we all know that you have to have momentum going into the postseason and, and losing the game to the Detroit Tigers on the last day of the season. That's just – you have to wonder, is there going to be a carryover effect now going into Houston on Thursday? And, uh, Tone, you know, kind of circling back to what you were t- just talking about there, you know, we had a great time on, on Friday. Me and me and Buzzy, we took an early train down there. We, we may or may not have partaken in a uh, little 12-pack on the train on, on the way down there as I was doing some conference calls on, on the train while I was drinking. Um, and then, you know, we got, we got to the lot, you know, kind of walked around a little bit and Johnny wasn't quite there yet. So we went, met up with Iowa Zach and his wife at Cork got after it a little bit there. Then Johnny and the whole rest of the crew there. So a great time was had by all. And you were, you know, conspicuously absent right there. You know, Steve, sometimes the, the president and the vice president cannot be in the same place at the same time. Um, you know, that's a security thing. So uh, I can't comment on where I was uh, during uh, the festivities that would have been the uh, halfway to St. Patrick's Day, which is one of my favorite uh, White Sox uh, promotions. Uh, so I was, I was very sad to not be in attendance uh, for that ball game considering that the White Sox did put on a, a rather good display, Steve, a rather good display, a lot of fireworks, a lot of, a lot of happiness, a lot of beer being drank. I, I wish I was there, Steve, but I cannot comment uh, on where I was or my whereabouts. You'd have to get in touch with my people and if you need that kind of information. Listen, if we're talking about a security issue, that's, that's totally understandable. I'll have my assistant get in touch with yours here. We'll kind of talk through that. And we just we got to make sure that we're in lockstep as uh, we start the most important week of White Sox baseball in a long time here. And 
Boy, does it feel good to say that. It absolutely does, Steve. And, and enough of the formalities here as we get into this. I, I thought it was awesome. You guys got out there and uh, and tore it up a little bit. Uh, it, it looked fun to, uh, to watch. And uh, the game itself, Steve, I know we haven't been on these airwaves in a little while. Uh, we've got Jason Hosking here. Uh, Jason, hello. He says, uh, good day, my brothers. Hello to you, Jason, out there in Iowa. I hope you're cracking them. Uh, hopefully it's it's Bud Diesel. Or if you're rolling in the Steve option, that would be Coors Lights. It's probably buzzed. I'm going to guess that Jason's drinking Miller Lights tonight. Uh, Steve, it, it, it's awesome to see that we've got the White Sox going into the postseason this year, second year in a row. God, does it just feel fucking good to say that, does it? It really does. And it feels great particularly to say that just coming off of what was – well, maybe the most fun season I can remember going back to 2005. There have been a number of seasons that have been pretty fun and pretty entertaining to be at the ballpark regularly over the course of my adult life. 2006 was fun up until mid-September. 2010 was fun. They had a 39-11 and 11 game stretch there in, in, in the middle part of the season. When they, I remember they went 10-0. and 0. They swept a homestand at one point. 2012 being in first place for 119 days, but to cap it off, winning a division title and to have everybody just come together the way that we did this year, coming off of the pandemic, not being able to see this team live in person last year, incrementally building back the attendance capabilities, getting back to full capacity, and just being able to be out at the ballpark with everybody. And then for this team to come together the way they did, overcome the adversity and win a division title, damn, this was a fun fucking year. Steve, it was. And you know what? I, I, I tweeted this out earlier it went by so fast. It went by fast for me. This year seemed to have flown by. I know they always say, you know, time flies when you're having fun. But I think that that adage is uh, is pretty true in this sense. Some of these other years, Steve, when I look back over the last five, except for last year, you could throw 2020 out. Those were long seasons. The, the end of those seasons, some somewhat couldn't come soon enough for teams that were struggling. There was, you know, you're, when, you, when you're waiting on September call-ups to see something new and, you know, you, you don't have that, that, that race down to clinch a division or get into a wild card, those seasons felt like they took forever. This flew by. You're absolutely right, Tone. I remember Ozzie Guillen once famously said, fun is winning and winning is fun. And that couldn't be any more true than, than what we saw this year. And when you're winning, when you're going out there, when you're in first place and in control of a division for as much of the season as the Sox were, it just, it really did fly by. And to think that, you know, we were just, it feels like just yesterday, we were getting ready to do the season preview show and we were sitting anxiously waiting until nine o'clock on a Thursday night for for the opener in Anaheim with Lucas Giolito on the mound, it just feels, it doesn't feel that long ago. And to now, to now be in a position where we're sitting here waiting anxiously for four days to get to game one in Houston. It's crazy how quickly this all went. It is. And I look back through some of this and, and obviously this is the final Sunday fun day, regular season episode of socks on tap. And Steve, this is, this has been a fun year of doing this. I think there's been some really cool moments. And before we break down, you know, some of the stuff that went on at the ballpark this weekend or get into any sort of, uh, you know, 
series preview with Houston. I kind of want to just take this Sunday fun day to kind of go over some of those cool moments of the year, Steve. And I think that it, you know, we, we have to, we have to take a trip down memory lane here to truly appreciate what the White Sox did this season. Um, and, And like we both said, it was one of our favorite seasons. So Steve, take it back. You talk about opening day for this team and, you know, you go and look back here. We had some some questions on roster spots coming out of spring training. We weren't quite sure what we were going to get out of this ball club. Tony La Russa was a very hot topic. Uh, and then, you know, right out of the gate, man, people might forget this in the grand scheme of things. But chapter one of what could potentially be just a terrific World Series DVD is the Yerman Mercedes month that was April of 2021. You're absolutely right. Your mean really did, in a lot of ways, carry this team offensively for the first month of the season. As we saw Jose Abreu struggle, obviously didn't have Aloy Jimenez. Yoan Moncada had some ups and downs in there. Um, so really, your mean did, in a lot of ways, help keep this team afloat as, as they were sorting through some of the early season issues and, and some of the early season malaise that they went through. And that shouldn't be forgotten. You know, the fact that the league figured him out is that's not really that big of a deal in, in the grand scheme of things because the overwhelming likelihood was they were going to figure out a guy that was a 29-year-old rookie. He was a 29-year-old rookie for a reason, okay? Um, but the fact of the matter is that contribution that he made during the month of April should not be forgotten because that's a big part of the reason why this team – has a central division banner hanging at the ballpark at 35th and Shields. And, and don't lose sight of that. I mean, I think one of my favorite points in this year, Steve, and I don't know if you were on twitter.com during this, but somebody posted a picture in Denver around the all-star game of a photo that had your mean Mercedes on one of the banners in the streets promoting the all-star game. That was, that was just one of my favorite moments of this season. And, and I, 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 I don't know why it was just, kind of comical but for for the month of april steve he was the face of baseball in a a lot of different ways he put the white Sox on the map a little bit in 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 the media he was polarizing he had just an incredible streak and i mean somebody even named a burger after him it really it was it was, it, it was an incredible April for Hermine Mercedes it, it really wasn't it I can't help but laugh a little bit being at the ballpark here these last couple of months and seeing the people that I, I don't even know how much an authentic jersey costs now what is that like a, a 150 bucks now at this Probably point like somewhere around I mean in, inflation's gotta be it's gotta be like over 200 dollars now I mean to think that people actually spent the money on an authentic Hermine Mercedes jersey after a month it it's borderline comical if, if we're being completely honest with you and then you there's fact, people that did it yeah there's no, people that did it and it, for a while your mean mercedes was the reason to tune into white Sox baseball like just going back here the white Sox spent a lot of money to remake a terminator commercial with your mean mercedes in it yeah he was the reason you should you, you were showing up to the ballpark early on in the year it's i mean just fascinating to see Right now, if we look back at that, yeah, where, for, we're, where we're at now. For for me, early on in the season, I was going to the ballpark a lot, just trying to see if I could make sense of the Lance Lynn trade because you know that was a deal that obviously happened over the winter. Uh, they gave up Dane Dunning, who had a phenomenal Sierra through four starts, and um, you know has a lot a lot of contractual control. And I was I was just left wondering why. 
why was this deal made? So I had to spend a lot of time, you know, and I, I made a, a conscious effort to go to every single one of Lance Lynn's home starts, just trying to get to the bottom of all of this here. Um, I think in my world anyway, the Yermin Mercedes was a nice little subplot, but that's really what I was locked in on. I knew you were, Steve, and, and our guy Jason, who's also drinking a Miller Lite, uh, like I called, uh, so I'm not going to not going to toot my own horn too much here, but uh, Jason bought a Yerman bag. And I know a lot of people who bought some Yerman stuff. You're not the only one. I mean, a lot of people thought that Yerman Mercedes would have been the next star. They just didn't know that Gavin Sheets existed. Um, Steve, the, the Dane Dunning trade, let's talk about that because that actually did set the table here. And I know you're going to hunt for the answers, but for, for one second, let's step into this. That kind of set the table for the White Sox a little bit in the rotation. And let's just talk about how Lance Lynn comes out of the gate and just sets the tone for this rotation the way that Dallas Keuchel should have. You know, that the home opener, Lance Lynn getting the ball and taking that thing and just telling the Kansas City Royals, you're fucked today. You might as well not even show up. He goes out there, throws a complete game shutout. We saw it in the season montage that they were playing all weekend here. And just the raw emotion that that guy showed after he got that final strike out there to, to wrap that thing up, that really did set a tone, I think, for this pitching staff because you have a lot of, I think, really soft-spoken guys that don't show a great deal of emotion within the starting rotation. And, look, you can't have – you know, 13 or 14 pitchers that are all crazy, insane lunatics like Lance Lynn, like Liam Hendricks. You do have to have that blend of personalities. But Lance Lynn brought an edge to this rotation that they have not had probably since uh, since Jake Peavy was out there competing for the boys. And you have to I have a guy Jake like that. Peavy. You know, he just wanted to go out there and just win for the boys, you know. Yes. He, he's just out there just grinding and just, you know, he made bad pitches. God bless it, you know. You know. And, um, wow. But, we're getting heated here. Yeah, yeah. Hey, bringing the heat tonight, baby. I um, love his Philip Chevrolet commercial. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> throwing some stuff out there. But, you know, Lynn just bringing that, that mindset and that veteran presence to this rotation of really young guys. And, you know, obviously Dallas Keuchel's not a young guy, but he's not a fiery, emotional guy out there. So Lynn being that guy, bringing that level of presence, I think really kind of showed – to guys like Lucas Giolito, like Carlos Rodon, like Dylan Cease, that, hey, you know, when you've got the ball in your hand, you're the one in control, and you need to act like it. You need to take that ball, and you need to say, I'm, we're winning this game today. You don't got a chance. Have that mindset. And I think it's important to have a guy like that on every rotation. I think it is too, Steve. And I think that, you know, we'll, while we'll still be searching for the answer as to why Dane Dunning was traded off of this roster, and I, I hope that we can – gain some more evidence over this next upcoming off season uh, as to, you know, why that happened. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tony, I, wait, hold on. Hold on. My, my, so, I, my sources are indicated. Part of the reason may be because in a couple days, Lance Lynn is actually going to throw a pitch. Whereas Dane Dunning, even if he were on the white side, still probably wouldn't be. I think you just unturned another clue. I'm going to work to confirm this work to confirm it. As always, and we'll we'll see what happens. All right, Steve, we're gonna we're gonna move through a few other uh, great White Sox moments this year, uh, and, and let's talk a little bit just real quick. 
I know we could probably do a whole nother hour on this topic alone, but Carlos Rodon and him returning to this White Sox staff, you know, what was, what was that that we witnessed this year out of Carlos Rodon and how special was he for quite a long while? I know we've got some question marks. We'll talk about that towards the end. Let's talk about the good here real quick. Carlos Rodon coming back this year in basically the fifth starter role entering the year. What happened there? This was the guy that the Sox thought they were getting with the number three overall pick in the draft out of NC State back in 2014. This this is the type of performance that they were anticipating that entire time. And he finally put it all together. And I think one of the interesting stories, and I don't know if anybody really remembers this, but obviously early on with Ethan Katz assuming the role as pitching coach here, one of the stories that came out, I think it was probably James Feagan at The Athletic, was talking to Katz specifically about Rodon and got him to really understand that he needed to utilize his lower body more. Uh, when it came to his mechanics. And for Carlos Rodon to have been in the league for as long as he was and not understand the the emphasis that needed to be placed on, on his lower half was, I think, something pretty telling. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say that Don Cooper um, was a bad pitching coach because Don Cooper was one of the top pitching coaches in the league for a long time. But there were a lot of things that over the last five to six years that I really had issue with Don Cooper. And so bringing in a fresh set of eyes – I think in a lot of cases can help pitchers like a Carlos Rodon hear just a different voice, hear something articulated in a different manner that all of a sudden unlocks it. And we saw that from him this year. And my God, was that important. So one thing that I'll just touch on briefly, Steve, uh, about pitching coaches, and this is just my firm belief is some guys with the right pitching coach are just going to succeed. Other guys who might work better under a different pitching coach are going to regress just based on the philosophies of whatever guy is holding that job at that point in time. So you're going to see, you know, what you get out of Carlos Rodon and Ethan Katz this year. That might've been the change he needed. Might not have been the change that other guys on this staff needed because other guys, maybe when you talk about the lower half, and if that was something that Katz had him focus on, Maybe that wasn't Don Cooper's game, and he had some some arms underneath him that just knew that naturally. So it's like fitting puzzle pieces together. That's what it is, and you get just the perfect combination of guys, and I think that they clicked, and I think that that had a huge impact on Carlos Rodon's game in 2021, and I, I like that you bring that up. I'm not trying to slight Don Cooper either. I just think it probably was a little bit better fit for Carlos Rodon, given the tenure that was here and what you saw out of him this year versus everything else. You're absolutely right. And one other thing that, that I'll go back to, when Terry Francona left Boston after the 2011 season, I remember – Seeing the clip on MLB Network of his of his final press conference with, with the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and he said something that I think is important. He said, sometimes you just need a different voice. And I think that that's absolutely true, whether it's in sports or even in professional settings, like what you and I do on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes you just need a different voice to come in and, like I said earlier, just articulate a message 
differently than what has been done for such an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden something can click. And that we saw that with Carlos Rodon this year. We've, we've got a special guest that just entered the room, Steve, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited to bring him in. Oh, wow. I, th- this is unexpe- an unexpected run-in. Who we got? An unexpected run-in. We've got our guy Buzz on tap here. Oh! He made it. Hey, guys. What's, What's up, up stud? Buzz? You realize the next game we're playing and we're talking is going to be the playoffs? You guys yes. realize Playoffs? That? So I got the AOK from Rena, and as Steve knows, she's attached to my hip just like you do, Tony. He got to experience it on Friday on Friday before we left for the game. But I got the AOK to come downstairs. I just had to bribe her with Tangled. Um, I was listening to you guys in my ear in my earpiece, and uh, I asked if I could come down and join you, and she said I can. Just leave the movie on. You so look, I'll be. Paying- I gotta say, you look very sophisticated in them glasses today. Whew. You do, dude. I have not worn my contacts since Friday night because I fell asleep with them in my head, and it was just the absolute worst. I mean, that was obviously a function of the fact that we went kind of pretty hard there. A As the bit. kids say, we went ham. Ham. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely great Friday night, and I wanted to drop in and say hey to my boys because, like, it's a special moment. And the only thing I wanted to share, and I'll get into organic conversation if you'll keep me. If not, you tell me to go the hell away and watch Tangled. That's fine, too. Um, but I, I did just want to come on and say, guys, it's the 2021 regular season with you, Tony, you, Steve, and, and Johnny was an absolute pleasure to do all the post games and Sunday fun days we did. Anybody that joined us during this whole process and talked with us and make sure if you're listening to us on Twitter to go over to YouTube and subscribe so we can see your comments because Twitter, but it was an absolute pleasure. And now that it's over and we are now heading into the postseason, I am just absolutely guys. I'm on one dude. See, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like saying it's over. I like to say it's a new beginning because we're beginning something very, very, that could be very special here on thursday i I agree and like the dad's nights that tony and i had out at the ballpark steve the games that we hit we knew that this was for a greater good we knew in our hearts in the beginning of the season that this was going to happen like that we were going to get there we really even though i think some of us said wild card i know i did and i was very wrong but i did say that but now we're here into the new beginning and it's just amazing so that's what i wanted to share real quick and now we can get back into the organic conversation i heard you talking about rodan tony can you just fill me in I, i missed a little bit of it yeah, you know what, uh, Buzz, we're we're taking a trip down memory lane before we break anything else down. So we kind of talked a little bit about Yerman Mercedes and, and yeah, what I saw that meant, mm-hmm. uh, and, and now we're just talking about Rodon. And I don't want to talk. We about- tried we tried to get to the bottom of the Dane Dunning trade, yeah, the and then now we're just trying to just appreciate Carlos Rodon. I got a few more notes here. I actually have kind of an outline for this show. I'm trying to play Johnny. I can't you wait. Know, what? I'm trying to play Johnny. Wait, I, I, you made you made. I an felt outline? like a little outline, of, of <laughs> some topics that we're going down tonight. It's fantastic, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna go down these these topics here, but one of them is Carlos Rodon and just the good and 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 everything that came of it that was so unexpected this season. Yeah, I I wrote. I think that was like one of the people I covered the most in writing a lot of the White Sox stuff this year. As you guys know, since. 2019 when we started the show and last year in 2020 you guys knew I was always enamored with Rodon I always thought that he was going to be good and I have articles in the early days of on tap just writing about all of that and his 
ascent into superstardom. It was where he was going in the beginning of the year and being a Cy Young candidate and, and all of that, just his numbers. I mean, I wrote an article today on it. You find it on tap. I mean, it, it was just amazing. But the first half and the second half numbers, while the numbers are still good, you see you see the games drop because he missed a lot of time. 10 days, 11 days in between starts, guys. And that was very concerning with the report that came out. Tony, you and I were texting about it a little bit earlier today. The report that came out that they're going to test him out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I just – it was just a tale of two Rodans. It was the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And unfortunately, this guy – I don't think this guy can get out of his own way. It's not his fault. It's the same thing I've equated to Derrick Rose in the past. It wasn't his fault he kept getting hurt, man, or he, he his body was breaking down on him. It, it just it, – it happens in life to – you know, no matter what profession you're in. Unfortunately for him, he's in a spotlight, and it just kind of went away. But some of the starts that he gave us, the no-hitter that he gave us this year – electric moments electric moments across the board and it was an absolute pleasure to see him get the recognition that he deserved and in somewhat live up to that draft position and that's my take on it steve anything about rodan the the no hitter that uh you know perez kind of fucked the perfect game like i'm just going back down memory lane here there was there was some highs that no hitter um I think for him, you you could tell in the post game interview that was a very emotional moment for him. Obviously, coming back off of the Tommy John, the inconsistency that he has had from the time that he's really been with the White Sox, um, you know, not quote unquote living up to his draft position as Buzz alluded to. So that was obviously that was a very emotional moment for him, and that was almost like the coming out party for him, yeah. telling the rest of the league, hey. I'm the guy that you all thought I was going to be, and I'm going to show you now. And for him to do that against the Cleveland Indians, it was just delicious. Absolutely was. And I think that, you know, it being the Cleveland Indians for me, just that that's that was one of those rivalry moments. And I think that if we look back as White Sox fans through this year, Cleveland and Minnesota within the AL Central yeah. were the teams early on this year that I fucking hated. And towards the end of the year, I don't know about you guys, Detroit might be my next target for the next few years. And we'll have to see how that story plays out. But uh, I'm going to keep this one moving. So we're going to move away from from Carlos Rodon, the Lance Lynn stuff. Let's get towards May and June. Let's talk about the impact that some of these guys on this team had that were not – your big names because you thought coming into this year, you were going to have Eloy Jimenez. You thought you were going to have uh, Luis Robert just out there every day. We were battered with injuries. The resiliency this team showed was second to none. Let's talk about guys like Billy Hamilton. Let's talk about guys like Brian Goodwin. Let's talk about guys that came out of the woodwork and really kept this together. I'll go to buzz first and I'll turn it to Steve through May, June, throw those down periods. Who was the guy that you had the most fun watching in a White Sox uniform that isn't one of the core guys, Buzz. It's tough. It's tough, man. I, I, when Billy came up, he made it an impact, but I have to say Goodwin. That first game Goodwin had here, <laughs> you guys remember that? It was amazing. Long I ball, do. a double. I mean, he. It was just like everybody's like, "Why the hell did Pittsburgh like you know let this guy just Pitcher walk?" Puked or... in the mound in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was just he was so scared of the White Sox. It was just amazing, you know. Um, I, I, 
I think I had the most fun out of non-core guys. And I'd like to say Gavin Sheets, not to steal your thunder, because like I, you know, he's been in the system or whatever. I'm assuming you're talking about guys that aren't like Tim. June guys. I'm gonna exclude I'm gonna exclude Gavin Sheets from that because I think he was a late season call up. And I think, you know, there's there's a maybe another question coming down down the line here from from rookie guys that that may have come up. But I'm talking, yeah, your Goodwins, your Jake Lambs, th- those types of folk. Yeah, it'd have to be Goodwin for me because even if you like look at the numbers from from Billy in June, I mean, I, I think he only like bat one eleven in June. Like he wasn't like, I mean, he had some spectacular moments, some stolen bases, some good defensive um, sequences and stuff like that. But when Goodwin came up, Goodwin was just a beast. And in the month of June, Goodwin hit two fifty with an OBP of three fifty, two home runs and seven RBIs, fifty two at bat, sixteen games in June. You know, Goodwin came up and was a beast. And I, I really enjoyed watching him. Um, he had good moments in the field, too. It, 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 as the season got a little later and progressed, we saw some lapses there. Um, but, no, I think that Goodwin by far was, like, the dude that surprised the shit out of me. And I think I had the most fun watching, it, you know, outside of, like you said, of the core guys. Steve? I don't know that there was really one guy specifically. I think that collectively, you look at all of these guys, like Buzz mentioned with you know the moments with Goodwin, that first game in Detroit. I was at um, you know the two games back to back when when Billy Hamilton had his two home runs this year. So getting to see those, uh, some of the Jake Lamb, or excuse me, as, as our buddy you know White Sox Alex say, Jake Clam, you know <laughs> with uh, with some of his home runs. Just collectively seeing these guys make their contributions when they weren't individuals that were going to be counted on coming into the season, that's something that's really important that we haven't seen from a White Sox team in, a, in an extended period of time, if we're being honest. For so long, as a Sox fan, you would see these key injuries to guys like Eloy, Luis Robert, Madrigal, when, when they all went down, and that would torpedo a season because they wouldn't have competent major league options that they would be able to plug in in their spots. And and while all of those guys individually have their flaws, you combine all of them together and you got pivotal moments from each one of them. So the really the sum was greater than the, the, or or excuse me, the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. um, if, If that makes a lot of sense, they're just, they all made individual contributions in different ways. Billy, obviously, a lot on the defensive side and on the base running side. Uh, Jay Clam hitting some pivotal home runs. So I, I think just collectively seeing that was the biggest thing for me and really helped keep this team afloat because for the first time in a long time, they had functional depth. I agree with that, Steve. It was, it was functional depth that we didn't expect to have. And we haven't had it. And when a lot of these injuries took place, I think that there were like there were legitimate question marks as to how this team would be able to stay afloat. And they did it so well. One name, though, to me, and I know this isn't an answer. I think you guys touched on Hamilton and, and Goodwin a lot. One name that really kept everything together was Andrew Vaughn for a little while. Um, I, I And that's a name to me that's also unexpected and I think adds to that functional depth almost. That's right really, that's year. actually really fair, Tony. That's, that's fair. Yeah. One name that adds to that is, is Andrew Vaughn. And I, I think you can classify him with rookies, but I also think you can classify him as almost like a major league journeyman, which is so weird because he came in and he, he held down left field in a position that he never played before. 
so early on that it was almost like you've got this guy out there that's just played this baseball game for 40 years and it's just solid and he gives you two good months. He kind of served as that that glue that held everything together for the White Sox through that stretch of time where you didn't have Eloy Jimenez, you didn't have a superstar, and you needed to lean on someone. And Andrew Vaughn was there pretty much every day out there in left field just playing good baseball. And so I, I think, you know, outside of what Goodwin was able to give you, outside of what Hamilton was able to able to give you, Andrew Vaughn was a question mark in his own right, and he handled everything with, with flying colors through that stretch of time. I guess I kind of looked at him as a part of the core, you know, just because he was drafted so highly, and I know that he didn't get the um, the minor league experience due to COVID and everything like that. He just kind of got thrust into – the major league roster. And I mean, that shows conf- confidence in him from, from Rick Hahn to, to just have him do that off the bat and whatever. But you, you bring up a good point, man. I mean, that guy, guys, I mean, he played like every position on the field except like shortstop and center field this year and catcher, you know, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. He played left field. He played right field. He played third base. He played second base. He played first. I mean, wherever you wanted to put him, you put him. And have, we did seen it a, have we seen a White Sox player been able to do that? Outside, Outside of, of Lurie, like Lurie Garcia. I don't know. I, but yeah. I think I think Andrew Vaughn is way different than Lurie Garcia I, in I the think, aspect that he could he could play some of those corner positions and his bat has a lot more pop. I, so it's a little bit different. I, I think, think that there's Lamb an edge there. Too. I think he might have done it this year. I, I remember Jake Lamb playing third. I remember Jake Lamb playing second. I remember Jake Lamb playing left and there's right. I mean, I'm not going to say effectiveness. Yeah, there's something different about Andrew Vaughn, though. I think the well, ceiling right. is way higher. Oh, yeah. That's what's I'm not going to say effectiveness or anything. I'm just saying I, I was surprised to see somebody bounce around like that, who's basically never bounced around like that in the past for, for Lamb. I mean, I just thought that was kind of cool out of him. I know he's not with the team any longer. But, I mean, he kind of did that, too, but not to the effectiveness of your point that Andrew Vaughn did. I, you're 100% correct. I think that's pretty spot on there, Counselor. It's just incredible. Like I'm going back down memory lane here. That's what we're doing. We're going back down memory lane cuz we're going to relive this season. And let's let's get into July and let's get into August a little bit here, guys. Uh the White Sox got themselves a pretty healthy lead in the division. Uh as as May and June went on. Obviously, we had some some issues that started to arise with the team. And there was a lot of drama around one Tony Larusa and the demise of the guy that we just talked about, Yerman Mercedes. Now, in a sense, some people believe that all press is good press. So I want your guys' take on this one final time as we go through here. Looking back at it through what we have right now, the Yerman Mercedes situation that transpired against the hated Minnesota Twins, the swing 3-0 situation. That was a rough moment because as we go back through everything, the White Sox went into a little bit of a slide afterwards, came back out of it. Thoughts on that now? Steve, I'll go to you. Yeah, so I've got I've got thoughts on this. I've got a lot of thoughts on this here. So obviously the Sox were beating the ever-loving shit out of the twins that night, which you just you love to see. And my thought of it is this: okay, if you're gonna play a stupid game. And you're going to put a position player out there trying to be cute and trying to be funny because ultimately at that point, you know, the twins, I think at that point were like maybe eight and a half, nine games back, but there was still a lot of season left to be played. 
Okay. So they were essentially conceding that game, trying to save their bullpen in effort to try to win the following two games there. So if you're telling me that you're going to wave the white flag and you're just going to throw a position player out there to try to be cute. And when he got out, he was giggling, laughing out there on the mound. You throw a three Oh little lollipop down there, hit that shit to the fucking moon. Your mean Mercedes did nothing wrong in that spot. And I will forever take that position on it. You want to play a stupid game. You're going to get stupid prizes. Okay. That's for first thing. Tony LaRusso's response to that situation, I wholeheartedly disagreed with. Um, I believe 100% that you know you, you talk about the old school mentality of playing the game the right way, respecting the game. Again, the Twins weren't respecting the game by throwing a position player out there, lobbing 60-mile-an-hour lollipops out there. How is that respecting the game? Okay, so I take issue with that position on it. And then for him to basically come out and say, well, you know, I, I expect uh, your, your main to get thrown at the next day and essentially being okay with your main division rival going out there and saying, we're going to take out one of your guys right there. And him just be like, eh, well, you know, it, it's fine. I thought that was complete bullshit. What followed subsequently and a lot of the national narrative that surrounded it then stating that, that was the downfall of your Mercedes, that that was the reason why he ultimately got sent down to Charlotte, why we haven't seen him since. That was complete and utter bullshit. If you actually go and if you look at the facts, he was on that downward trajectory before that even happened. Now, he had, he had a little bit of a dead cat bounce directly after that because I think it was three days later on the Friday night against Detroit at home. I remember being at that game when Mercedes had a walk-off single to beat the Tigers. But – you could see that that train had, had already left the station a little bit, that there was no coming back at that point. That wasn't a direct result of Tony La Russa coming out and publicly reprimanding him, which, again, I wholeheartedly disagreed with. But for people to sit there and just utilize this as an opportunity to push a narrative because they didn't like the Tony La Russa hire from the outset to say, oh, he look at this, he ruined this kid, bullshit. You had a lot of thoughts on that, and I, 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 I'm glad I gave you the floor here because I feel like there was a lot of things that uh, went unsaid, Steve. And I'm, I'm glad you got that off your chest. Well, you know, look, I, I think a lot of this has been regurgitated and probably talked about to death at this point. But you still see people talking about it. You still, even as this team is close to division. Seeing people out there, you saw it brought up when they were in Milwaukee on a yeah. Sunday night, yeah, on a national broadcast. You saw it the, the week the week later on another national broadcast uh, about it. Uh, so as you, we you talk saw, about you this saw team, stu- is- you saw stuff you know coming into you know last week when they, when they clinched the division and people saying you know still trying to push this there. I saw some things when I came back and reemerged on the twitter.com. And, and kind of looking at some things and pulling up quotes about, you know, you know, is Tim Anderson, you know, questioning, um, you know, the Tony the Russo hire and everything. They just won a division title and we're still doing this. Let's I, I, come on at this point. Yep. And that's, that's why this was on my note plan to talk about as we go down memory lane. Like again, yeah. I told Buzz is so proud of me. I, I, I no, I really, I'm really proud of you to, to even have an outline. Usually, when Tony and I go, we just were like, Fuck it. <laughs> here we go, you know, it's just whatever we're gonna make. Just scribble do down on this little notepad right here. Yeah, here's the outline. Gonna... Here we go, Buzz. Yeah. I want to give you the floor here, real quick, to talk about yeah, that fine. incident because 
I just want to kind of level set this one and then we're going to, we're going to fast track this a little bit to the field of dreams game and in the second half of the season um, and some all-star stuff, but uh, talk about what impact that made on the season, at least in your eyes. So it's all about perspective at this point, right? And this is where it gets a little cloudy. Now your Mercedes started the season off hot. We just talked about that, you know, in, in April and March, the guy hit 415. You know, I mean, he 455 OBP, he had five home runs, 16 ribbies. He, he was putting the bat on the ball. He was making things happen. May 21st is when um, this transpired uh, with, with Tony La Russa. Now, the numbers in, in, in May are really bad. And again, I'm, I'm telling you this, this happened on the 21st of May. So that's at the end of the month. You guys know that just as well as I do, 21st of May, end of the month. Alex Rude and Jordan Miller actually pointed this out as everybody was kind of having a conniption fit about this. And I was one of the guys that had a conniption fit about it. And I'm going to tell you why I had a conniption fit. Everything that Steve just said. If you're going to respect the game, don't throw out a position player because you're not respecting it. You're being a douche. And if you're going to concede a game, I don't care what little league rules are. I don't. This is the major leagues. You're going to pay for your mistakes. You're going to pay for your sins. And whoever's up there, I want a dinger too exactly what i want make them pay make them look silly because they're they're treating it like a joke then you show them how much of a joke they are um the comments about basically being all right with your mean getting plunked um i don't care if one of you you know stole a car i'm gonna say you didn't do it i don't care you know like you're my brothers that's that's just at the end of the day it's what it is i stick up for the people that are a part of my clique and that i care about so i didn't like that either now, with all the scrutiny going into the season and all of this just crazy dialogue that was opened up about Tony Larusa being the manager and how people hated it and his mistakes off the field or his old school mentality and all that, yeah, it did. It clouded my judgment for sure. I wanted him fucking gone. I'm like, dude, you're gonna let you know you're gonna be cool with one of your guys getting hit. It's, it's just absolutely bullshit. So going and looking at it in May, he was hitting 221 anyway. He was on a downward slope. This was not the demise, even though at the time I I, I said it did. Hindsight's 2020. You can always go look back at the numbers and you can, you know, prove yourself wrong. And I'll say the first thing right now, I was 100% wrong. I blamed almost all of it on Tony Russo. That was not the case. Your mean got figured out. And Steve had said it when I was listening on my ear pod before I came on. There's a reason he was a 29-year-old rookie. The numbers just show it, Tone. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, you went from that March and that April at 4.15. You went into May at 2.21, like I just told you. And we had 18 games there in uh, in June, 16 of which were started with a 159, 2.21, and a 190 slugging percentage. I mean, he, he, he was just on a downward spiral. He was figured out. And that's what happened. Now, super magical. And he is a big reason, I think, the White Sox. Got a lot of national media attention at the beginning of the year. Didn't he open up eight, nine straight games with a hit? Like first person rookie to ever do something like that or something like, you know, amazing shit out of him. It just, it it didn't work out. Um, And where I stand with it is, is I'm now that we're a division title winner and we're moving into the playoffs. That was just a little speed bump in the road that did not derail anything even though there was narratives from not only fans, but the uh, national media as well. And my, even myself included as a guy that covers the team, it meant nothing. That clubhouse is still strong as hell. And, you know, they went and won. Um, so it's just, it is what it is at that point. Love what both of you guys said. Um, I I do. Um, I, I think you guys both know I was a fan of the hire when it happened. Um I thought that when this went down, uh, that there was going to be a lot of criticism. 
and rightfully so. I think that there was there was points to be made. I can see that argument. I think that there was also a lot of scapegoating that that took place. Uh, Steve, you kind of alluded to that. Um, you know, one one thing that I'm a firm believer in is that Tony Larusa isn't dumb. He's not a dumb guy. He's won a couple World Series. He's college educated man. He knows what he's doing. Does that mean that he's going to be right all the time? No, none of us are. None of us as humans are ever going to be right all the fucking time. It's just not going to happen. Uh, did he take a calculated move? Did he probably think about what he said before he said it? Yeah. Did it go in the direction that he wanted to? No. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> nine times out of ten, you've got guys in this clubhouse that are coming out and saying good things about him. Uh, you've seen the White Sox have success with him. He said all the right things, at least in my mind. I think he's also been almost overly humble uh, since – you know, winning the division title. You heard him today talking about how managers would line up to pay for this job. I'm sure there were guys that wanted to come manage this team. There's a lot of young talent on this team. You know, the, the people are going to try and draw this narrative out over and over again. I just think that, you know, overall, that situation led to a huge storyline for this team. And I think that it actually helped bond them a little bit more in the long run because you saw players come out after this incident, you saw Jose Abreu come out after this incident, talk about what Tony LaRusso means to the ball club. And you've seen it in subsequent posts that are out there on Twitter and, you know, just, you know, interactions that guys have had with Tony LaRusso throughout the year, whether that be on Mancada, Jose Abreu, uh, just different things. Let's and, talk about, let's talk about what Tim Anderson said direct, yes, directly after that, when he came out and when he said, you know, this is sometimes like a relationship with, parents and their children and sometimes we're the bad kids that don't listen mm -hmm. you know there's times where and i'm sure we can all relate to this that growing up you know your parents will put certain rules in place that you're not going to agree with and there's going to be certain instances where depending on the severity of the rule you're going to test it and you're going to test and see how far you can push the envelope a little bit and this was you know kind of one of those instances and timmy coming out and basically saying that, you know, yeah, he, he can talk about this old school mindset and, you know, quote unquote, respecting the game. doesn't mean that we're not going to just, you know, do things how we want to do them because we're changing. I mean, we're changing the game. That's literally the, sl the slogan here. So there's going to be so, times where uh, we're going to do things that he's not going to agree with. And that's, I'm, that's just I, life. I love that. And, and Steve, I, I want to take that a step further. That has to be uncomfortable for a guy like Tony LaRusso to sit in that position holding those values with a team that has a marketing slogan. We're going to change the game. That has to be uncomfortable for him to an extent. And I don't think that people have kind of brought that up, that you've got a team with the, the literal marketing, marketing slogan is change the game. When the narrative around Tony LaRusso has been, and it was before he came to the White Sox, the narrative around Tony LaRusso was – respect the game, keep it the way it is, which also the irony in that statement, Steve, and something that you brought up the last time you and I talked was how Tony La Russa changed baseball, how he changed the way that starting pitching and relief pitching worked. He's already changed the game. He's now managing a team that's changing it right before our eyes. It, it certainly is a fascinating Somewhat dynamic. poetic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a very fascinating dynamic to see that and to see, you know, really for the most part, he has pretty much stayed out of their way. 
you know, you look at some of the emotion that, that Tim showed when he hit the walk-off home run in, in Dyersville, Iowa. You talk about Brian Goodwin flipping his bat all the way to the moon when he hit that walk-off against Cleveland on July 31st or August 1st, whenever the hell it was. I mean, those are his, things that, you know, you talk for, for a guy that is as staunch of an old-school mindset as he is portrayed to be, you know, he didn't really seem to have an issue with that. I'll add one more to that. His shortstop this week told an umpire, I don't give a fuck. And there was no response to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely something where, you know, you would have thought that he would have come out and said, Oh, you know, you, you can't do that. And I kind of was on the, of the mindset a little bit. And I think I talked about this on, on one of the post games. I think it was with Johnny earlier in the week that, you know, the fact of the matter is the video came out and, and that it showed that Tim had actually pushed or, or had made contact with, with Tim Timmons. Now we can get in and we can debate why Tim Timmons was getting in his face in the first place. And another example of umpires not being held accountable. So that's one aspect of it here, but you didn't see Tony really kind of coming out and, and sticking up for the umpire, so to speak in that spot when you may well have thought that that was the response that he was going to take. I'm just wondering, Steve, and this is just me pondering questions you know, while I'm thinking about baseball, did Tony LaRusa change? I or did or did, did Tony LaRusa change? Did did he learn things with this group? I think there definitely has been some evolution has- to to his thought process on things this year. And I'll give you one example. And this is something that I believe is going to be very important going into the postseason. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that we'd be going into October into a series against the Houston Astros, that Luis Robert would most likely be hitting second in your order. I would have said there's no fucking way. We started the year with Adam Eaton hitting in that spot, and I just thought that Tony was going to be – and that was one of the biggest concerns I had about him when the hire was made. And I expressly said this, I pray to God that Adam Eaton is not hitting in that number two spot on opening day. And he was, and he was up until he was ultimately designated for assignment there. But we're seeing that – he has evolved his mindset of not just having, you know, the small little slappy guy in that number two spot. He's learning and he's realizing that look, Luis Robert, this guy's a, an absolute monster. We're seeing with the tanks that he's been hitting lately. You got to have this guy up as high as possible in the order here to where he can do some damage. You put him sandwiched between Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson to start a game off right there. Good luck with that. I'll turn it to Buzz in just one second just to kind of put a bow tie on this. But one thing I'll say, Steve, is that Tony LaRusso had been out of the managerial role for a long time. I think smart people can identify, adapt, make things happen. Uh, I think that he adapted to this role just like, you know, he would in any other role that he's done. I think that uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to be too old, whatever, LaRusso's smart. He knows baseball. He figured it out. And I think that there hasn't been a lot of credit given for how he adapted to certain things, like you said, how to build a lineup in modern baseball, how to do this stuff. There was going to be some growing pains. The Yerman Mercedes stuff was a little bit of a growing pain. It was also, as you pointed out, at least in my opinion, you know, something that, you know, the narrative that wanted to be pushed was being pushed based on 
people not liking the higher buzz. Any last words on the La Russa, uh, you know, just the managerial experience of 2021? I think that him being away from the game and not away from the game itself, but away from the clubhouse role for 12 years, I think with age comes patience. But I also think that with, you know, the role that he was put in to come manage this young team and understanding the different personalities that are on the team and knowing the team from just still being around the game of baseball. It's not like he was off playing fucking golf every day, you know, like that's not what it was. He was in a front office. A lot of people don't like to talk about that. Like, I mean, they did in the beginning, but not so much anymore. I'd love to give him a lot of credit for adapting as a season to help build lineups. But I would also like to give, you know, a lot of credit to Miguel Cairo and those guys too. And maybe even Rick Hahn to a certain extent that maybe Tony was more, willing to take advice or hear their thoughts out to help, you know, build a lineup in not only his vision, but theirs as well. I mean, when you look in the clubhouse, you just kind of see like a team atmosphere, you know, and and they're all willing to fight for each other. They're all willing to, you know, it seems to listen to each other and respect each other's opinions. And that's why I think this team's gone as far as they have. And that, and that's the thing I give Tony Lusa a ton of credit, but there's guys behind him too, that I think help make it happen for him, whether that's players or his, his staff, or even Rick Hahn himself. But um, it shows that, uh, you know, he did adapt like you and Steve use that word adapt to where he is at now to be open-minded, to make adjustments. And he had the talent there. He took all that into consideration. He probably knew that himself as well as he got his feet wet and it's the season started progressing where he's in the grind every single day. And that's what helped him. And I think that's a great thing to have is an open commun- line of communication in the clubhouse where all opinions of the people that contribute to that team are welcome. And that's why you see where the Sox are, where they're at right now. And I give him a ton of credit for that too. All things considered, guys, I think from a managerial coaching staff front office this season, it's been one of the better years as a White Sox fan. I think it might outside, be the best we ever saw, Tony, but that's outside of 05. Outside of – Outside of some of the the drama and the the things that were pushed within the media, I think that from a coaching staff standpoint, yes, we had our gripes with lineups. We're always going to have gripes with lineups. We're baseball fans. Every every single one of us wants to be the manager, the GM of this team. We want to be able to put the guys where we want to see them. That's why video games exist. That's why fantasy baseball exists. We want to do that. We want to have that power. Um, But to an extent, guys, when it's all said and done and we're looking at this roster right now, as Steve said, the right guy that the most collective of us want in the two hole is in the two hole. There's one through one through seven guys. There's really not many ways to fuck this lineup up. We're just lucky we're healthy heading into October. And I think that that's very understated moving along with the season, just for the sake of time here, Steve, I want to talk a little bit about the field of dreams game, just how fucking awesome that experience was to get to experience with you. And if we're talking about one of my favorite baseball seasons of the year, man, I would be remiss if I wasn't going to sit here on the final day of the season and say, a number one, thank you to you for making that happen. Uh, Number two, what a cool experience that was. And, you know, for as fun and as exciting and as roller coaster of emotions as we went through in that game, I just got to say to all the listeners, you do not know what that drive home back to the hotel was like getting out of the field of dreams game was just, I mean, you go from here to here to like just full alert real quick, Steve, 
thoughts on the Field of Dreams game and the experience getting back to the hotel for you and I just to just to shed some light for all the listeners. Man, I'll, t- I'll take it back even a step further. So six days before even getting to go out there, first inning as the Sox are opening up the weekend series against the Cubs at Wrigley, I'm working from home that day, and I get a call from my ticket rep, um, and he says, hey, you know, some some other season ticket holders passed on the opportunity to go to the Field of Dreams game. You're next up in the lottery. You get two tickets. You got to pay the money right up front. You want them, yes or no? And without hesitation, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. This is a once-in-a-lifetime shot. You got to do this. And so, you know, then obviously we had the conversation in the garage the next day. Wheels were were put in motion, and uh, we, we made that decision to make the trek out there to Iowa. And just an experience that um, – you can't really put a price on and to, to go out there to see the first game take place in that environment. And like you talked about just the highs and lows of that thing from the Sox really being in command of that game for a good portion of it to giving up the lead in the ninth inning because of the two, uh, two run homers that the Yankees hit and for Timmy to be the guy ultimately to put that game away and hit that walk off home run. And I remember turning to you when Sebi Zavala was up, when he hit that that little chopper down the third baseline that uh, Rugnet Odor did not feel that he allowed to roll foul. And I said, just let Timmy get up here and walk this shit off. And then Zavala has a hell of an at-bat, works that walk, and then Timmy just nuked that thing first pitch, and, and that thing just shot out like a cannon into the night, landed in the corn, and that place just went absolutely ballistic. Um, I know you and I, we had a hell of a time just just jumping around like children, watching that and being there for that experience was something that I'm never going to forget, obviously. And to be there with, with you, I mean, that was, that was really special. And then, you know, you go from the highs of that to um, getting into the parking lot, finding a flat tire in my car from apparently uh, some piece of metal from, from one of the dirt gravel roads that uh, – you know, somehow got, got lodged in there and getting filled up and then having to make an hour and a half drive back to Davenport, uh, where, where our hotel was and just being on, you want to talk about being on high alert right there. I don't think that I got above 60 miles an hour that, that entire ride home and doing that at 1130 at night, starting that drive there. Um, that was, it was a, it was a tense moment. We made it back. We made it back in one piece, thankfully, and we're, here to be able to talk about the experience today. Absolutely was Steve. And I've, I've just got to say like the whole, the whole experience was, was something to behold um, as, as a white Sox fan, as a baseball fan, I can't thank you enough for that. And, and, and just the opportunity to do that. But man, we went from jumping around like children, my cell phone. I don't know if I've shown you the video. I'm sure you, you probably have seen it. I was taking a video when Timmy hit that thing and the guy in front of me like whacks the phone out of my hand and it almost falls down those bleachers. And we were like, I don't know, 18 rows up those bleachers. You already had to go up a flight of stairs and my phone lands just gracefully half on half off that bottom bleacher to fall all the way down onto that, that rocky surface that was below and I'm just thinking to myself, 
Imagine what would have happened, Steve. It's it's October. It's spooky season. Imagine what would have happened if your phone died and my phone was completely cracked and we had a flat tire in Iowa in a cornfield that we parked in. Bad things could have happened. I'm so happy we're still here talking about White Sox baseball. That that is look. That's the plot of a horror movie right there. I mean, I feel like if if you know that phone misses by like an, another inch right there, and like you talked about. Who knows? We we might end up stranded on the side of the road in a cornfield in Iowa somewhere, and you know they may never see us again. You know, Children I mean, the corn would have got you. Yeah, I mean, I may have never gotten field of screams. To, yeah, I may have never gotten to return to Twitter.com. Field of screams, starring Tony and Steve. Steve, I, I, just overall, I think you know we go back to that baseball game. Was an incredible moment for this team. I think overall, on the national stage. The White Sox have been somewhat of an embarrassment through most of our lives. For a minute, for each of us, I know, Buzz, you watch this at home, but when Timmy hit that walk-off home run and more people were tuned into baseball than anything else in the world, and the White Sox took center stage and you felt that happening, what did it mean to you, Buzz? What did that mean to you? Oh, it meant it meant everything. You know, that that's that's just a thing that I've like kind of built like the whole base off of, right? Is like, you know, Chicago or you know, Chicago never gets their due within the media. Even like we'll we'll talk about the North Siders for a second here. Like, even though you know they are the lovable losers and they got their love in the national media, but they were always called the lovable losers, whatever, you know. It it just always felt like we always got shit on that and that spans across a bunch of sports tone. I mean, I know that we had the Blackhawks run in the 2010s, but even before that, you know, if they were on national TV, it was usually embarrassment. You know, the Bulls, you know, they had their little run on TNT or whatever, but usually then even the last couple of years, they gotten even taken off of it because they've been so goddamn bad. When you see something like that for your, like your arguably my favorite team, I, I've always said on the, on the show, I don't know how to pick. It's so hard, but it, watching that at home and watching Tim Anderson hit the home run in the intro, I know I say I'm a homer, blah, 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 but like there was a moment like in time where you're just like, this is the most watched thing in America right now. Like the ratings were through the roof and our team, the team that we've watched organically grow and that we believe in does something like that's amazing. It was amazing. And I, I of course wish I could have been there during the week kind of hard for me, but you know, I wish I could have been there, but being here and watching it was just unfucking real dude. It was it was a cool moment. It was like almost like a kind of like I made it moment where if you already had like belief in this team, it, it just got amplified. That's what it was just amazing. Steve. I think Buzz pretty much summed up my sentiments on it. It was, you know, Hey America, get to know us because you're going to be seeing a lot more of us here, not only this season, but in seasons to come. And we got a lot more star power coming back too. Yeah, it's not just a one-off, and that's and that's exactly it, Steve. It's not just a one-off. You know, like this wasn't. Uh, oh, it's a huge surprise that they're kicking ass. Like people thought they could, and a lot of people did think they could. And when they actually capitalize off a moment, and get to do it, it's amazing. You know, it's it's a really it's a really great moment. And hopefully, that carries into the playoffs. That's my next segue point right here, Buzz. I you didn't even look at my rundown. And oh, I haven't looked that, at your rundown at all. I just you dude, that, at my it's that twin it's, telepathy. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to push this one along, but the fact that they did it on the big stage in Iowa, I think lends well 
to them going into the playoffs. You look at what the White Sox have done since the Field of Dreams game. We've had question marks in the rotation. We've had question marks in the bullpen. Kind of graze over the trade deadline here. You add Craig Kimbrell. You add Ryan Tapera. You add Cesar Hernandez to this ball club. Coming down the stretch, Cesar hasn't had the best of luck, let's say. Neither has Craig Kimbrell. Ryan Tapera started out rocky, comes through when you need him, gets injured. Now he's back. We'll see what we get out of him. But Johnny loves him, and that's why he's on my notes because shout out Johnny. He's been good, too. He loves Ryan Tapera. He has been good. But you come down the stretch here. You finally clinch the division. There was a little bit of that 05 field that people don't want to talk about down the stretch because the White Sox, we can't argue it, were not as good as they were in the second half as they were in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. There were some narratives about this team where they could not be good teams playoff teams. Steve, I think you wrote something about that on a little website called ontapsportsnet.com. Not sure. Maybe we'll, you know, direct people to go check that out. I'll, I'll give you the floor here in a second. But if you look at the second half for this White Sox team, question marks, doubts, celebrations, little bit of a mixed bag, somewhat of maintaining the status quo down the stretch. And then they turn it up in the final week you see the incident with Abreu. We talked about that at, at length on our last episode. We're heading into now probably one of the biggest series that we've gotten up for in a long time. I know last year in Oakland was big, but this one has a different feel towards it. Tony, you hit on a couple of key points right there. Obviously, this team was, I think, for lack of a better term, treading water for a good portion of the second half. And, you know, the national narratives that go out there um, regarding them not being able to beat quality teams was simply a function of them, you know, going one and five against the Yankees and two and five against the Astros without their full complement of everyday players. I feel pretty confidently that if the Yankees had played all those games without Aaron Judge, without... Giancarlo Stanton, and if you take out two other starters that are of consequence to them, they probably would struggle too. So that narrative that that goes out there, it's just it is what it is. We saw this team win series at home against Toronto, against Tampa, against Boston, against Oakland, against Houston. So, and let's not let's not lose you know sight of the fact that this team had the best home record in all of Major League Baseball in 2021 that's that's a big deal right there so the this thing that they can't beat the quality teams i'm sorry give me give me a break on this you know they're fully assembled now at this point now we roll um buzz's beard is player freddie you got to give that credit i mean that thing is that's pure sex right there i mean i'm glad he's on the show because i've got like a couple other notes that i wanted to go to if he was on here so we'll touch on those in a second but i'm a little little worried but but you know my 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 last point that i want to make here is you know you you talk about the the incidents in detroit um with jose Abreu and steve stone talked about that being a little bit of a galvanizing moment for this team but you really saw going back to cleveland last week when they clinched that division on the indians home field 
you know, certain somebody got up at, you know, left at 5.30 in the morning there so he could be there to witness it, um, not naming any names or anything like that because, you know. I know you were there, be, because, because, I know you were there. Because, because, you know, somebody technically was working, you know, you know that day. So, you know, let's just uh, be mindful. Now. I know you were there. Definitely, you were there. definitely didn't start drinking at noon. No, no. I would never do that on a work day. Never, no. never. Um, and, you know, to see the Sox just go down there and dismantle the Cleveland Indians and have that be the final – memory we ever have of that pitiful, despicable franchise was very delicious. And they really carried it over into this week against Cincinnati and against Detroit. And people were concerned. You go back about two weeks ago saying that this team was, you know, just faltering and floundering heading into the playoffs. Now all of a sudden that narrative has kind of shifted a little bit. I know I was being a little bit of a smart ass at the start of the show here, talking about them not having momentum, but the fact of the matter is they've won seven out of 10 here coming into the playoffs. They're healthy. They're ready to go. This team can beat anybody. Could you ask for more? You, you just laid out the record. Could you ask for more? We talked about a couple of weeks ago, Steve, and I'll ask you the same question, Buzz. Johnny and I talked about it. The narrative of waiting for people to get hot and them to start clicking and turning on the next gear. Could you ask for more than that right there? I don't I don't know that you, you really can. Obviously, you would have liked to have seen them not drop three series to Kansas city in the span of a month and, and drop a series to Detroit, which ultimately cost them home field coming up here in this series against Houston. It cost them more than home field. I'm sure it knocked a few seconds off of Hawk Harrelson's life as well, which. Uh, listen, pour, pour one out for Hawk. Hawk Hawk's the man. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is I think that Bus they're dead. They're I think they're rolling here at, at the right time. We're seeing them, you know, starting to put together better at bats and, and having a little bit more consistency offensively. The pitching has, has get, gotten the job done. Liam Hendricks and um, and Aaron Bummer, my guy, have been just absolute nails at the back end of this bullpen, and they are going to be so important for this team here as we head into October against the Houston Astros. So I feel really good about where this group is at right now. Buzz guy. I think you could always ask for more, right? Like just more consistent, not more consistency or like, you know, it's like money, right? You can always have more of it. You know, you'd always have more, uh, you know, dynamic players, but no, where, where we're at right now and, and everything that kind of transpired this season, I kind of feel like this team's going to be, you know, uh, like Steve said, I feel like they could beat anybody. So I'm, I'm cloud nine. And honestly, I mean, look what the St. Louis Cardinals did guys. We are not up to par right now. You know, Steve talks about every game matters. St. Louis just has it right now, guys. They're unbeatable. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a just cool trying story to put, that would be, huh? Just, what a cool story that would be. Sox, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a cool story, but I, I think I texted I think I texted Steve with this one. I know I, I told Jen about it, and I tweeted it. I said, this is the, – the simulation is lazy, right? We're getting Houston. We're going to Boston. And then we're going to LA. Because that's what it knows. That's what's going to happen. Meatball take. I don't know what it is. But that's just a feeling for me. Because you look at it. You can't play Houston in the World Series. So what do you got to do? You got to play him in the DS. Boston's right there next in line in your league. You got to play a team from LA if you want that championship. Don't stop believing, boys. That's what's going to happen. Sign me up, baby. Let's yeah, I'm ready. ready. I want all the smoke. Let's I want, boogie. I want it all. 
That's that's just what I think is going to happen. Probably won't. Probably won't. I just, I just went on this spiel about how I think it's going to happen. Probably won't. It probably won't. <laughs> but, it probably okay. won't. But the, it would be so White Sox if it did. Yeah, but but, but Buzz, you're you're a homer, so you always say they're gonna. I always say they're gonna. They're gonna win the fucking World Series, man. I'm I'm getting ready to make a fucking uh, White Sox World Series shuffle. I look. I'd be I'd be really Ooh. cool. Ooh. I'd be really cool with them. Can we get down. Johnny involved in this? We can do a socks oh, on tap. Yeah, yeah absolutely. World, World Series shuffle. shuffle. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get down and boogie, and people are gonna be like, I tried dancing Friday at the tailgate. Steve saw it was not good. I don't. I'll I'll blame. I, I I think it was great. Oh wow, thanks, man. I, I think it was great. We're working real hard at it. It was not safe for work. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, definitely not safe for work. Were you twerking in the parking lot? I don't have an ass. I can't. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I think he, we've reached the after dark uh, period of the show. Steve. That happens just, often when Steve and I are. He's on got it. that flat pancake ass. Yeah, it's just oh, there's man. nothing. There's nothing there. You guys have me off schedule right now. Sorry, I'm sorry. I know we're running late. You have me off schedule. I, Steve's got to get to bed. He's the one who told me he had a hard stop at uh, at ten o'clock, which gives us one more minute of Steve. Let's keep rolling here. Let's yeah. keep rolling. I, I got a hard stop too. You got a hard stop too. All right, so. Just last things as we head into the playoffs, guys. We've all gotten out to the ballpark a couple of times this year, maybe two, three times. Steve Buzz, favorite moments in the ballpark this year. Sunday fun day topic. Favorite moments in the ballpark. I don't know who wants it first. I'll just go to whoever starts talking. Buzz, I'll go ahead and defer to you on this one. I had a lot. Um, I mean, I, I go had ahead and list a list a couple. I think I'm just going to give my number one. My my number one was the the Trastros tailgate in which we absolutely demolished that uh, pinata that you guys made, you and Jen made. Uh, That was probably my favorite game. I mean, I I know we didn't end up winning that, but uh, it was super sweet. Um, I thought that was a really good game. I really enjoyed the uh, opening weekend, uh, which was, what was that, June 20th or July 26th? June 26th, June 26th was a hundred percent capacity. I had a great, you know, we got the truck down there. Shane Reardon, myself, uh, summer of George, Tony, you came rolling through. Steve was there right away. Beer, beer, uh, stone cold beer bombs and mudslides and, mud slides and cutting my chest up and bleeding everywhere. That was pretty sweet. Um, you know, I mean, there's just a ton of, of great moments. The game, Tony, that you and I went to the one we took the train down to, and then we missed our train home and had an Uber all the way back to the burbs. Um, where what was it back to back home or was it back to back to back that game? Home runs back to back. I think you took a picture with a chicken. You might have touched you. You might have kissed the chicken. Oh yeah, yeah. He was dude. Hmm. I mean, he was hitting on you. It was eyeballing me a little bit. Had to had to let him know. You know, I'm I'm game. I'm ready to party. Wait, Buzz put his mouth on a cop. Yeah. Yes, it did. I and that was after the CDC said. Yeah, no, I mean, there I just was problems to... with chickens and salmonella, like I... same day. And yeah. Buzz was laying his mouth all over it. Yeah, all of that thing was not cooked. Yeah, it was all. not cooked. It was, it was, yeah, it was actually a lot. It was raw. Yeah, it was raw. It was raw chicken. Yeah, but I think that was probably my my favorite moments of the season. I went to so many games, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody. They know what we do when we go there. We have a great time. We drink some beers. Friday was one of the best games that I've been to. Um, we did not move from our seats besides to go get more beer. Um, and I think Steve and I put down six hot dogs a piece cause we were just like, uh, we drank so much alcohol. We needed to absorb it, but that was a great, fantastic game of Brayu's home run. That was like, I'll say that it's probably one of my favorite home runs I've ever seen in person. That thing hung 
forever. It was like Pat O'Donnell making a punt for the Bears that just had a hang time of like eight seconds. Like we're just watching it like, yeah, it's going to stay fair. Yeah, it's still up there. You know, it was just amazing. Like a, a lot of great times, man. A lot of great times this year and in a special season. I, I, I really, I can't pick. Steve. For me, the, the ones that really jump out, the the home opener, just and we talked about this in our in our midseason show, just being able to be back in the ballpark finally after a year of not being able to go and watch this team in person. Um, that was obviously a very big and, and emotional moment for me and for a lot of people. Um, the the first initial hundred percent capacity tailgate, you know, June twenty sixth, like we talked about, Buzz. I mean, that was just an absolute blast. Um, just going out there, acting a fool, stone cold in the beers. I mean, that was that was uh, uh, that was a fun ass day. Really, really was. Me and Johnny being able to go and take in that doubleheader against the Twins when we saw uh, Tony's baby boy hit hit the walk off home run against Jose Barrios, and and I may or may not have uh, been recorded making a little statement that is still living on the internet here today to this very moment. Uh, That was, that was a lot of fun. And like Buzz said, this past Friday, just the atmosphere in the ballpark there being there, everybody knowing that this team is not done, that this is a division championship. And there was just a vibe and there was just an aura that was palpable in and around the ballpark. The, The game itself was electric Sox coming back. Um, in, in that game, Abreu hitting that 30th home run and then just putting a pounding on them the, the rest of that way. And then we had a chance to go off for a little bit afterwards, go to Cork, and that place was just jumping. The electricity in and around the ballpark is insane. I don't think we really understand what we have waiting for us a week from today, boys. Absolutely, guys. I'll just give a few of mine uh Throughout the season, uh, obviously, you guys touched on a lot of them. First full capacity tailgate, uh, seeing Buzz do a mudslide, just some ridiculous shit. I love that because my chest didn't get cut up and his did. So there was glass in there, man. Yeah, that's 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 what I that's what I love. I, I will always advocate for someone else to do something crazy. Um, the Field of Dreams game, Steve, I touched on that. One of the coolest things to ever get to experience. I think that was awesome. Uh, got to take my son to a couple of games this year that uh, I think that were really cool for him, just seeing how invested my kid is into baseball and understanding who players are on the roster. Um, you know, him getting up for Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning. Like, that to me was was just an awesome sight as a baseball fan myself and as a father getting to witness that uh, buzz some of the games that you and I got to take in. I know we had like a stretch of like a couple of weeks going there where hashtag like, dad's night. Yeah. It was like a weekly thing for you and I uh, to get out to the ballpark. Uh, I remember giving you your first Uber ride back uh, to new Lenox. That was awesome. Cause you're like, what's an Uber. And I'm like, that was my first, that was my first Uber yeah, ride it was ever. Your, it was like your first Uber ride ever. And I remember you, the whole way home. Like, yeah, you like leaned into me. Us, like bro. you lean into me at one point point. you're like, is this guy going to like kidnap us? And I'm like, I have no idea. That's <laughs> part of the fun of Uber. Um, that was awesome. Especially when I got out of the car and you had to drive all the way back to new Lenox. Love that night. Um, couple other things too, man, guys, like the, the, the night that we got to have in the suite for on tap was awesome. Uh, 
Uh, we got to experience the game. Everybody from the Socks on Tap show was there. Uh, we all had a good night. I think that that was, was fantastic. The Sox won. Obviously, there were some injury issues that popped up during it, but that was really cool to uh, to get to witness. But overall, I think the best moment that I had this season was witnessing my new favorite baseball player hit his first career home run. And that was Gavin Sheets. And the only thing that could top that was getting to go to a new ballpark in Milwaukee. Uh, I've never been there. Uh, Jen and I took a trip up there. A lot of the Sox on tap guys did. Buzz, you did as well. Uh, getting to go up to another ballpark, watching the Sox take batting practice. They lost both those games, but it was just cool to see the Sox in a different atmosphere. Ran into Herb Lawrence, ran into uh, Chuck Naso from Barstool, ran into a couple different people who all love this White Sox team. Uh, Buzz, I don't think you and I got to see each other there. Comiskey was there. Brooklyn was there. It was everybody from Chicago traveled to see the White Sox up in Milwaukee. I thought that that was awesome. Um, it was really cool. I think there was just a lot of different experiences that I had around this team this year that you know created memories that are going to last a lifetime around this regular season. I want to see them tie a bow tie on it. And as Steve said, I'll segue this back. I don't think we know what's happening come next Thursday. And I think that there's some other special surprises for this White Sox team because, as I've said all year, this team just has it. And, Steve, you like to phrase it a little bit different. How do I phrase it, Tone? You tell me, man. You've, got, you've come up with like four or five different, different sayings here over the course of the year. Oh, and God. there might be a viral video out there of you on a certain website. Something about ball go far, team go far. That's one of them. That's one of them, yeah. yeah. That's either, one of them. Either that or a little bit of White Sox for life. White Sox forever. White Sox forever, bro. All the time. Like That's the thing. We've been saying that forever through the trials and tribulations of bullshit since we started this podcast in 2019. That was the saying. Steve came on with the four life. Look, dude, we're on the way. Thursday can't come quick enough. And here's, you know, here's one other thing that I, that I want to say. You know, I was fortunate enough to get to go watch this team clinch the division on the Indians' home field, and that is a memory that I will always cherish. Um I want to travel and I want to go and I want to watch some more clinchers on the road. It would be really cool to, to see them clinch the pennant or clinch a world series here in Chicago. But there's a big part of me. I want to get my ass on an airplane and I want to go watch them celebrate on somebody else's field. That would just be too sweet. Dare too I say sweet. Add an insult to injury, oh, wow. baby. I love it. Love it's coming it. through with it. I've tried to hold the host role throughout this show. Buzz, you're here, so I'm going to turn the reins over to you to close it down like we always do. But before we get to that, guys, it's always awesome to talk about White Sox baseball with you. This has been a special season. I hope we get to do this late into October because I love talking about White Sox baseball with you guys. I hope we're actually talking about White Sox games because I think it would be so cool to just experience a deep run in the playoffs with all you guys talking about this team, breaking them down every single night. It could be so awesome to just talk about a world series winning game with this crew. I think we'd have a lot of fun. I think we're right there. 
I don't know about you guys, but that excites me. I don't oh, know. Shit, I don't know if our I don't know if our livers would survive. I don't know if they would. Uh, Who mine's, knows? mine's still recovering from Saturday <laughs> or Friday. <laughs> well, actually, technically Saturday. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, actually, technically Saturday. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how this would go down, but uh, to all the listeners out there, just stay with us because it would be crazy. Yeah, it's gonna get it's gonna get it, real weird. Dude. It's gonna get real weird. Absolutely. We might go after we might go after dark. We might have to censor Steve. We might actually have to block something out here. <laughs> Listen, I just know that um, come next Sunday, whatever time that game starts, man, it's going to be the party of of the decade. I mean, this thing is thirteen years in the making. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe we maybe we go Seinfeld. Maybe we maybe we paint SOX on our chests. Who knows? It could happen. I, you know, is I'm not Johnny the on. exclamation part? He might have to be. We may we may not have a choice. All I know is the beer is going to be flowing like wine. Lot B is going to be hopping, and baby, I can't wait. Inject this into my fucking veins. Let's go. Last topic. I, last topic on the night, Buzz. Before we close it down, what? Playoff beards. I already got mine, bro. <laughs> I ain't. I ain't doing that shit again. I'm not shaving it again. Stop it. That's what you're implying, and I'm getting tired of. We're see, we're fighting now. He did it, Steve. He's always doing. I it. I can't get out of here without starting a little something. I'm gonna put Steve in the middle of us. He's gonna be the. He's I've already got one. mine. I'm not doing it again. But I will say, if the Sox win the World Series, I said I would never do this. But if they do win the World Series, I am getting Sox tattooed. It's happening. Said I would never get a sports team tattooed on me. If they win the World Series, I'm getting one. And I'll let you guys pick it out. Tony LaRusso's face. God damn it. All right, fine. Can it be a character? Because like those portraits. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tony, Tony, you missed a perfect, perfect opening right there. You already so- said it. Oh, Steve, tell me where you're going with No. A, a certain uh, broadcaster who may share a first name Steve with Steve Stone. That would be fantastic. All Steve right, Stone and Tony LaRusso hugging. Right, see you guys later. This. <laughs> All right. Whatever. All right. Whatever. Is it time to lead out now? It's time to lead out, Buzz. I'm going to hand you the honors. Everybody be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap, at on Tap Sportsnet. Following Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Following Tony at Tony on Tap, me at Buzz on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Be sure you can check out Grandstand. Any White Sox gear you need, go over to Grandstand. Find them on socials at Grandstand Socks. Go to GrandstandSocks.com. Like Tony mentioned in, well, in the beginning of the uh, outro here, be with us during this. Be with us during this. Talk with us. Join the post-game shows. Tweet at us. Whatever the hell you want to do. Any means of communication you want. Let's let's do this together. Let's if go you, get it done. If you want to, if you want to, you know, tweet at me and tell me I'm an idiot for suggesting that you know the Sox should stretch out Michael Kopech, Feel free to do so and let me know how it works out for you. He came for blood, and he'll yes. be here for blood. The sometimes, time. sometimes we wake up and choose violence. Uh, Buzz. Just let everybody know that uh, we'll be doing a Houston Astros breakdown, uh, this the series breakdown later this week because we're gonna try and promote that one a little better than we normally do. Uh, I'm excited, guys. I'm yeah. Excited. It'll be it'll be either Tuesday or Wednesday night. We will put the tweets out there. 
um, on what day it will be. But very important, if you're here at the end of the show, be sure you're going to our YouTube and subscribing so we can talk alongside of it. Let's make it an interactive thing. Let's talk. You want to even get on the, the stream with us? Let us know. We have no problems accommodating doing that. We'd love to talk to everybody. We'd love to have fun with this and make it as interactive as possible so we could talk to Sox fans and see how they feel about it. That's all I have tonight, boys. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.